comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Facebook, no Twitter, no smartphones, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. It's the Walking Dead TV Podcast, episode 52, and we are back for season two with our big show for Nebraska. It's about this, dang time. It's about dang time. This is John, and I have with me my dang friends, Jim and Brad. <laughs> dang nabbit. Dang. And it's 52. We're finally playing with a full deck. Yeah, uh, but as ironic... <laughs> As irony would have it, uh, we're not playing with a full deck. Uh, we Jordan had something come up last minute. Russell is a bit under the weather. Jordan's high maintenance. Yeah, he's the diva of the group. Um, unfortunately, he's the best at the synopsis and all of the facts. So tonight you're going to get some out-of-order stuff that probably isn't true. <laughs> you're going to get the B team now. No, hey, it's all good. yourself. No, I know. I'm on, okay. I'm on the A team. Yeah, we're, we're going to... We are capable... Adults, yes? Yes, we are capable. Um, okay, so we're going to do our best to bring you the high-quality show that we usually do. Um, things might be a little different tonight, but I think we'll all be fine. Uh, before we get to the important stuff, there's been a, a big news item that popped up, and it happened just after we recorded last show. And it's kind of lousy timing because we have a busy night and now we have all our episodes to cover. But we do want to mention that Tony Moore, who is the original artist for The Walking Dead, he was the artist for the first six issues of the comic book. And and I guess in charge or, or I should say responsible for the designs of the main characters of the book. I mean, certainly in the first six issues, he designed Rick, Laurie, Shane, Carl... Uh, what the zombies look like. I mean, I think it's fair to say that he designed all of that stuff. Absolutely. Uh, somewhere along the way, he was not on board for the television show, and uh, AMC needed him to sign his rights away to Robert well, Kirkman. What, what the, the suit by Moore actually says that he was fraudulently coerced into signing away his rights, as you say, for the TV show, but in exchange, he got a piece of several other series, including Neil Kirkman's Battle Pope and a few other things that he worked on with Kirkman, and that uh, Moore has not been able to audit the accounting for the series since then. So he's not sure he's uh, the numbers that they're using are, are jiving with what he thinks he should be making, and definitely he doesn't think he's uh, you know he's signing away his, he's signed away his rights on the TV show in exchange for these other rights. But now I think he's wanting you know a piece of that pie now that The Walking Dead is so popular. Right. So basically, in a nutshell. Tony Moore wants more money for the success of the Walking Dead television show. And Robert Kirkman says, you're getting what you 
deserve and what you've signed for. So there's hey, going to be a lawsuit. Which one? Which one is spoken? Is it libel or slander? See, where's Jordan when we need him? Slander yeah. is uh, spoken. Libel's in print. Slander is okay. Is it okay for me to slander on this uh, podcast, or should I keep it to myself? You can slander all you want, as long as it's not uh, about me again. No, I met Tony Moore, and uh, he came across as a bit of a DB, uh, in my opinion. Um, we don't know the full story. He could, in fact, have gotten the shaft uh, by Mr. Kirkman. We don't know, but I kind of feel like maybe there's some sour grapes based on my experience in meeting Tony Moore. Maybe Tony Moore was having an off day when I met him. Maybe he's a great guy, but when I met him, he wasn't. So. Well, the, the actual quote from Kirkman is, he says that the lawsuit is ridiculous, that they each had legal representation seven years ago, and now he's violating the same contract he initiated and approved. And uh, Tony regularly receives payment for the work he did on uh, the first six issues of The Walking Dead, and he receives royalties from the TV show. To assert otherwise is simply incorrect. So Kirkman's basically saying, hey, this is what you agreed to, here's your piece. You really don't have uh, you know, much, you know, any legs to stand on, it seems like. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll monitor it in the future. I mean, it's interesting. I, I think the thing that we find most interesting is that, you know, the the first season was really that first six issues, which was all of Tony Moore's stuff, and they did take a lot of shots right off the page of the book. Big um, time. Right. So, you know, you kind of feel like Tony Moore does deserve his cut, and hopefully he's getting it, and he's just trying to be greedy about it and, and get more, and it's not that he's been cheated in any way. But who knows? Money makes people do crazy things. So, I mean, his name's still on the program and cre- the credits. Yeah, I'm sure he'd rather have a mill or so. <laughs> yeah, who knows? You know, we like I said, we don't know everything, and we may never. Right, but we did want to cover that. We would be remiss to not at least speak about it because it didn't make it into our last show. Um, but we're really here to talk about Nebraska, the big episode eight return of of season two. And one thing we need to do before that is talk about our sponsor, don't we, Brad? Yes, sir. DCB Service. You've heard us talk about them. They're wonderful. We've got some uh, exciting specials to talk about. Uh, The DC celebration continues at DCBService.com. DC Comics New 52. uh, Their number eight issues are all available. If you're continuing to, to buy all 52 new comics that DC is publishing, you can get all of the eighth issues in a bundle for 50% off. I never did the math, but um, it's a pretty incredible price for 52 comic books. I can't recall the math right offhand, but um, it's a bargain. Um, Along with the new 52 theme, all new DC trade paperbacks and hardcovers related to the new 52 are half off this month, and all the rest of the DC trades. And and those would be like the first, um, I'm assuming, six, five, six, seven issues of the the relaunch those trades and hardcovers they're talking about there um so if you didn't get in on the ground floor you can get in uh, on the ground floor with those collections uh the other dc trade paperbacks and hardcovers off offerings are 45 percent off and uh last month or last episode i beg your pardon when i was talking about uh the dc vertigo line i like a dummy said that there are no zombie books in the vertigo line but there is. It's uh, called I Zombie, and it's uh, I can't remember the author, but it's drawn by Mike Allred. And uh, I read the first two issues. I liked it a lot. Um, you can get uh, the the new Vertigo has four new titles 
uh, and um, iZombie is not one of those new titles, but it is there for you. Uh, anyway, the four new titles, you can get the second issues of those in a bundle for 75% off. That's four books for the price of one, which is awesome, $2.99. So uh, go check out dcbservice.com, and they've got all your Walking Dead stuff there as well. And don't forget to check out their sister website, instocktrades.com, for all those Walking Dead collections. And especially don't forget if you use the code WD8 and you're a first-time buyer at DCB Service or you haven't bought anything from them in a year, you get an extra 8% off your order, which is huge on top of their already deep discount. So you really can't beat those prices. No, and, and quickly while we're on the subject of merchandise and comic books and buying stuff. Uh, Did you they, say quickly? I will say it again in case I said quickly. No, it's cute though, quickly. One other thing we should mention while we're on the subject of uh, merchandise and, and things like that, they announced the Series 2 action figure set for the Walking Dead TV series, and it's going to be, let's see if I can get this right without information in front of me. Um, there's a new Rick, there's a Shane, there's the well zombie, Stu, he got his own figure. And there's another zombie, like just a different style walker or something. So the, it's the 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 uh, I see it, the RV zombie, the one that was going after. Oh, uh, nice! The Andrea. one that got the screwdriver in the head. Yeah, the one that was going after Andrea. Sweet. And the no. bicycle girl as well, right? Oh yes, bicycle girl, definitely. Yep. So that so it's actually three new zombies, Rick and Shane. Since we're talking about merchandising, really quickly, did you guys see the deluxe Blu-ray set? Uh, designed by McFarlane Toys for The Walking Dead. It's it's uh, screwdriver. Yes, yes, I did. And you, and you use the screwdriver to open up the top of his head. Sweet. And where his neck is, is where you keep the Blu-rays. Uh, it's pretty sweet. I have not seen this. Oh, Brad, you did see it. You saw it in Facebook, and you said that is really cool, I think. Oh, okay. It's a DVD case thing with a screwdriver head zombie. Yeah, no, yeah, I remember that now. Of course I saw it. Yeah, so lots of cool Walking Dead stuff uh, going around, and this episode called Nebraska Killed It. It did amazingly in the ratings. I don't know the number. Again, we don't have Jordan, so the facts are out the window, but uh, it broke all of the basic cable television records again, and we're going to talk about Nebraska now, and I think, Brad, you're going to give it the first go at the uh, run-through. Yeah, I'll just pretend I'm Jordan, and uh, we're just going to be up front, guys. We're taking this uh, synopsis from walkingdead.wikia.com. Uh, might as well go to the source. You know, you can believe everything on Wikipedia. No, of, of course you can, but um, it's a great synopsis, and uh, so I'm just going to kind of breeze through part of this. Uh, might as well do this instead of trying to do it off our heads. Uh, emotions run high in the aftermath of the Barn Walker Massacre. Beth Green goes over to her mother, Annette, to mourn. Now, Beth, is is Beth uh, Herschel's granddaughter or daughter? or? Yeah, it's Herschel's daughter. He She's reaching out to her, st- her stepmom. Okay. She's uh, shot there in the aftermath, and her stepmom's not quite, uh, you know, there was no double tap done. <laughs> right, yeah. So she, she kind of grabs at her. Something I wanted to say really quick about the opening, if you don't mind. Yeah. I, what I thought was amazing was, they left it up. They started the episode right where the other episode left off. Yeah, that you know, was glorious. literally seconds, like between between you know uh, 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 Rick shooting Sophia. 
You know, I mean, it literally uh, got right to got right to the point, right to where you know, right from where uh, it ended, which I thought was really great. Yeah, now he was still, he was still holding the gun pointed at her. But the part we're talking about with Beth going over to Annette, that actually came after the title sequence, correct? And the opening before that was the stuff that we had all seen in the preview footage and stuff. Does that sound right? Well, uh, Beth running over and being attacked by her zombified mother uh, was in that preview footage as well. Okay, all right. I, I didn't. I didn't watch all the previews, but I knew yeah. I had seen some of the. Uh, a lot of the opening I had felt like I'd seen already. I, I honestly don't remember if, if if this happened. Before. No, it's before. It's before the title sequence. In fact, okay. Not not only do, you know Andrea takes out uh, Herschel's uh, wife or what have you. Also, Shane kind of confronts Herschel as they go into the you know. It's like telling him he's living you know in, in a dream, and Herschel's telling him that you know you people are like a plague. And uh, that whole scene between them and Shane kind of doubting Rick and kind of chiding him for letting things go the way, you know, trying to be diplomatic and trying to help, you know, trying to reason with Herschel. And then it goes into the opening credits. That scene where Andrea comes up with that sieve and just sidearms it right into her her head, that was crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy with Andrea at this point. I think her character started off slowly and now she's, you know sitting uh zombies like you said and there's that ripped off arm scene where she just kind of picks up the arm and flips it in the truck and jumps yeah, in the back of awesome. the truck with all the dead <laughs> zombies it's the dead zombies i guess that's kind of redundant but the really dead zombies and that uh was, so that was, that was pretty, pretty cool awesome yeah she's she's hardening uh enough at this point that uh that i'm happy with that character right now like jim said Shane accuses Herschel of uh, knowing that Sophia was in the barn, but he says he did not know it. Um, and he said Otis probably put her there before he died. And then he tells Rick's group to get out. Yeah, at this point, I'm kind of like, dude, like, why do, you, why do you even have to? There's no rules anymore. I mean, I know Rick and, and, and that group is the good guys in quotes, you know, but like, why can't they just be like, we're not going anywhere? You know, like, there's really no rules anymore. You know, like, you're going to kick us off your land? What does that even mean? Well, doesn't Lori say something to him later about that? And, oh, no, okay, this, that, that comes later when Herschel disappears. Lori answers your question. That scene between Lori and Shane answers your question about why Shane's, uh, I'm sorry, between Lori and Rick answers your question about why Rick is not right. doing that, why he's not. Why he's Why still he's trying, trying to reason to... with Herschel. Yes, exactly. Okay, exactly. good. I must have missed that. So we'll get to it yeah. when we yeah, get there. Yeah, it's pretty important, actually. We'll, we will get to it later. Um, yeah, uh, he speculates that Otis probably put her there and then tells Rick Script to leave the farm. He says, you know, you people are like a plague on me. And, and if you think about it from his point of view, I mean, a lot of, I mean, they haven't really, you know, helped out a lot <laughs> in this situation. And Rick kind of uh, ridicules Shane. Um, for trying to, uh, you know, because I mean, Shane does not understand why he's trying to, uh, you know, reason with him. And then we get that cool scene with Carl and Lori, uh, where Lori's, you know, talking to Carl about Sophia and that Carl says that, uh, he would have done the same thing that, you know, his dad did and that Rick did the right thing. I, I thought that was a good character moment between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. And is this about the time when Rick kind of comes out of the house and, and puts the hat back on Carl? Yeah. He yeah. goes, you dropped this. Yeah. Yeah. That's when, um, I think, uh no, I think that's a l that's a little later. That happens a little later when Dale takes him inside. Okay. Um, 
they decide that they're going to bury Sophia and Herschel's wife and stepson and burn the rest. Who was that? Andrea said, we bury the ones we love and we burn the rest. Right. And um, I guess, you know, you don't want to have to do, have to dig too many holes. You want to respect. I mean, I wouldn't want to dig more holes than I needed to, you know. I don't know these people, so I'm not going to take the time to bury them, I guess. I guess I can get that. Yeah, there's a bit of desensitization going on, definitely. And there's a weird, oh, um, somebody says we need the truck, and uh, the young blonde kid, what's that What's that kid's name? Herschel's, um, was it grandson or nephew or something? Timmy or Jimmy? I don't think it's Jim. I can't, I can't remember his name. I do remember that Shane was trying to teach him uh, to use uh, a firearm before. Right. Yeah, he it says, is Jimmy. It is Jimmy. He says, I'll go get the truck. And Shane now goes, he goes, no, I got the truck. And he wanders off to the truck. And there's that weird scene with Shane and, and, and Dale. And Dale's just staring at him. And Shane gets in the truck and looks at him, gets out, walks back over to, <laughs> over to Dale. And, um, it's, what's great about that scene is that Dale hardly even says anything. He just stares at him. He's, he's getting to Shane. Yeah, he doesn't say a word actually in that scene. He just, Shane goes back and forth, you know, saying different things and Dale just stares at him. It isn't until later that Dale kind of opens his mouth about what he suspects about Shane. Right. Um, cut to Carol, uh, refusing to go to the funeral. She's in the RV and Daryl's in there watching after her. Lori comes up and says, Hey, let's go. And she says, No. It get, and Daryl gets mad, and I'm I'm wondering why. Why can't he understand? Yeah, he went looking for her, you know, day after day after day. He even says that he never gave up looking for her. But why does he get mad that Carol doesn't want to go to the funeral? Yeah, I, I don't. You know what? I'll, I'm going to save it for a little bit later, but I have real problems with Daryl right now. And I know it's not going to be a popular opinion, but they're just bouncing him around. It really... It stuck out here a little bit, but it sticks out a little bit more when he talks to Lori. So I'm gonna hold it for then. But I don't, I don't know what Daryl's thinking. It, it goes back and forth too fast with him. Okay. Uh, let's see. We got Herschel packing his wife's belongings up in cardboard boxes. And you know, Fine. just to, I'm sorry, Brad. Just to yeah, go, go back ahead. to what you were saying for a second, like they go back, they show that scene of Daryl saying how hard he was trying to keep Carol away from the barn, right? Or he says to her, like, if I'd have known she was in there, I would have made sure you didn't see it, type thing, you know. And now he's begging her to go out and see the dead body before they bury it. Like, <laughs> I, I don't. You're right. I, I don't. I don't get it. But I'm sorry. Good. No, that's cool. Um, I agree. I mean, that, that Daryl seemed a bit inconsistent in this episode. He seemed like he was back to the old Daryl in some parts of the episode. It was like two different people wrote him this episode or something. It's kind of weird, but so Herschel's packing his things, her things, and finds an old flask. And uh, we've been told that he hasn't had a drink in a very long time, but obviously this is not the case anymore. Um, there's a funeral after the funeral. Andrea and T Dog. Here comes your scene. Pile the corpses onto the truck, and uh, they say that Shane did what needed to be done. Dale protests, suggesting that a new problem with Herschel was created in the wake of resolving the safety concern of the barn walkers. And isn't isn't that where uh, they drive off and the one arm falls off? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I expected something. I expected different. it to start grabbing at her. Something. Something <laughs> yeah. seemed at least a twitch, you know. Yeah, or or maybe one of the. One of the walkers in the in the back of the truck to sit up or something when she hopped back in the truck, but um, I don't know. That was just, I mean, it was cool, you know, and funny, haha. But it seemed 
it seemed odd. There was like something missing from that, and I'm really not sure what what was missing. Just about the flask. Um, probably skipping ahead again, but screw it. Uh, when Maggie, when they go looking through Herschel's things, and Maggie says that Herschel hasn't had a drink since she was born. Uh, you guys recall that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's when they realize that Herschel's gone. Right. Now, somebody said, and I'm not sure of this, so maybe we can get an email or a tweet or something on Facebook to confirm or deny this. Somebody said that in a previous episode, she says that Herschel and her mother married when she was 14, and all Maggie wanted to do was go drinking and something at that point in her life. So now she's saying he hasn't had a drink after, uh, since she was born. But previously, she said that they didn't even, her mother didn't marry him until she was 14. So I don't know if it's total continuity error or maybe there's just, maybe somebody's mistaken in in saying that that's what happened previously. But I seem to recall her saying that now that they bring it up. Sounds vaguely familiar. I'll have to go back and look. I I don't remember. I mean, that would just be sloppy continuity error if that's the case. But I don't want to dwell on it because I'm not sure. But. That would be bad. It may be an error, but in the long run, I don't really think that would matter that much. No, it doesn't matter, but it's just sloppy, like your world building, you know? You want things to be well thought out. So Maggie asks Glenn if he would stay if the rest of his group were to leave, but he doesn't really know how to answer that question. Talk about putting him in a, between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't do well with that. Uh Uh-uh. He's like, is this the right time? (laughs) This is like, his first girlfriend ever or something, right? As far as we know. Yeah. Now, Beth, again, Beth is um, the one who was attacked by her zombie mother. She goes into some kind of shock or something, and she just falls, and she's just laying there with her eyes open. I thought this was kind of weird. Somebody on Facebook said, watch her uh, have been scratched by a zombie, and she's infected now, and she'll end up dying and being a zombie. You know... It it made sense to me when that person said that, but they didn't even give you any clue. They didn't show her, like, maybe take a little scratch. They didn't, you know, I don't know. It would be really subtle if that's what they're doing. Right. My original thought was that she'd gotten bit. Yeah, kind of like Jim got bit and then hit it for a while. But they probably would have discovered that. But, you know, really all this is with Beth collapsing is just a plot device Yeah. to get, to get Rick and Glenn to go after and I hope it wraps up soon because the only thing that came into my mind was we're not going to have episodes and episodes of people sitting around the bed while this girl is in a coma now. Yeah, we just did that with yeah, Carl. Yeah, we just did that with Carl is exactly what I was thinking. So they go looking for Herschel. Obviously, he's gone. They find the empty flask. And Rick says, I'm going to go. Now this is when Rick reveals to Lori why he is being so diplomatic with right. Herschel. Uh, yeah. He says, you know, he picks Glenn to go with him. Maggie kind of protests. And then he meets Lori in the hallway and explains, we're going to need Herschel for the baby. Oh, That's I like, did miss that line. Thing, he's the closest thing to a doctor they've run into. So I don't know how. I was probably tweeting or something. I got to stop. But I, I missed that line completely. Yeah. That's why he's still playing ball with Herschel. Makes sense. Yeah. So he decides, yes. you know, he's she. he asks Maggie, where would he be, you know, if there's a bar in town. Okay, that's where we're going to find him. So Glenn goes, and uh, we'll get to maybe in the re- in the synopsis here. Maybe yeah, there it is later on. So um, we'll get to that in a second. 
I we love cut. the scene when Glenn leaves with Rick, though. Maggie's out on the porch with her arms folded, like, just scowling at him. And then, like, when he gets in the truck, she stomps off into the house. It's like, you know, they barely know each other, and she's already, you know, scolding him the way a wife would. You know what I mean? Kind of nagging after him not to not to help Rick. Yeah, what do we yeah. think the time is since they've arrived at the farm at this point? Do we have well, any clues as to how long they've been? Well, they've been searching for Sophia. They searched for Sophia for, like, four or five days. This is the day after that. I would imagine like a week. Yeah, tops, I was thinking maybe about a week, week and a half. So. Now. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, she's already like you know possessive of Glenn. Well, and we find out what's bugging her here in a second. Um, that's what I was referring to earlier: the conversation between Glenn and Rick in the truck. But before that, we cut to a scene where Shane's out, you know, washing his head at the water pump, and uh, Shane obviously is just having difficulties all around. And he, he seems to be snapping a little bit and, uh, he's off by himself splashing water in his face. He hears something in the forest. Oh, we totally skipped over the fact it was near the beginning when Carol was sitting by herself in the forest. Well, no, when they had the, uh, the little service when they buried all the people or buried the people on burnt and, uh, put the rest on the truck. That's when we see Carol in the forest. Okay. And then she comes out of the forest when Shane is yeah. washing up after, you know, Rick and Glenn leave. Yeah, and she's, nope. br- she's stepping on every twig that she could find, and everybody thinks it's a zombie. And I was kind of disappointed that it wasn't. I was ready, I was ready for a zombie kill at, th- at this point. Yeah. I mean, we. I even, t- I even tweeted that the only zombie kill so far was Andrea's, uh, you know, t- uh, scythe to the back of the head at the beginning. The, uh, the white flower that Carol was playing with and then eventually destroying was wasn't that the white flower yeah the cherokee rose yep yeah thank you couldn't remember the name of that yeah so she comes stumbling out of the of the woods and this is a really bizarre scene i think between shane and carol at this point did you guys get wigged out by this scene at all (sighs) yeah um some people are expecting like a sexual thing to go down between Shane and Carol. I didn't really get that. I felt more like they were trying to get more of the audience on Shane's side again. Like, oh, look, he really is just trying to take care of everybody. You know, like something like that. Yeah, I didn't get any of the sexual um, innuendo from that at all. And and I, I would agree. I would think, okay, they're trying to make, you know, people like Shane again. But he he's very... He seems to be very bipolar, Shane does. You know, at one point, he's um, calm and collected and thinking clearly. And then, you know, before you know it, he's spitting and, and fussing and mad and just like a totally different type of personality. Yeah, I think it it's, it's directly connected to Rick and Laurie, obviously. Yeah. You know, like he's on the attack. When it comes to like Rick being the leader or Laurie and Carl... You know, he's a different, he's a crazy person. Um, but we've well, seen in other instances where he can act normal around the others. Yeah. Well, it's kind of alpha male uh, uh, mentality. You know, when another alpha dog is threatening, then you bark really loud. When there is no other alpha dog threatening, you take care of the pack, you know. So scene, he's trying to, he's trying to, like, I think you guys make a good point, though. They're trying to make Shane a little more sympathetic after him being so extreme for the past three episodes. Yeah. And. You really see evidence of that alpha dog thing near at the beginning of the episode when Herschel tells him to leave and then he wanders in and Rick turns to Shane and says, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? And they go at it a little bit, you know, and Shane says some pretty harsh things to him. 
And he says, you're just as delusional as that old man is. You know, that this is a couple of best friends, you know, talking like this to each other. So it's obviously stressful for everybody. And, and Shane's not handling it very well. No, and I, scene, I'm sorry. I, I think that line, you know, you're just as delusional as that old man. I think that's important. It meant more to me in the bar later on when Herschel realizes how delusional he is. Yeah. Like it almost made Rick snap out of it at that point. Like, you know, he says that I'm just as delusional as this old man. And now the old man gets it. And, and then Rick gets it at the very end, which we'll get to. Um, so Shane starts cleaning Carol's arms and, and being like kind. Birds out of her, her skin. Yeah. Or running around in the forest. Um, trying again, you know, trying to be nurturing and, and protective. And he apologizes you know, about what happened. Now, was it earlier, John, you said it was Daryl that said, if I'd have known she was in there, I would have kept you away. Wasn't it Shane that said that to Carol at this point? I'm not sure, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking that, I mean, Shane said more than, hey, I'm sorry what happened to your little girl. Maybe Daryl was just, that's when he's just hugging her and holding her back is what I meant, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. She. He's like, don't look, don't look. And yeah. And I think I think at this point Shane says something like, "I didn't know she was in there." I think it was Shane that said, "If if I'd have known, yeah." So that's kind of a weird scene, and I don't like to dwell on it because it just it makes me think that Shane is really going to snap at any moment because he effort. Well, plus Shane is trying to win people over to his side. In the that's group. true. You know, he's you know he's I mean? a like scary he's, guy. He's got it. He's got his claws in Andrea already by teaching her how to use a firearm and by, you know, screwing her in the back of that car a couple episodes ago. You know? It's a Hyundai. Kind of, I'm sorry, Johnny. I didn't get my check from Hyundai uh, <laughs> in time to, to plug that for them. <laughs> uh, if they want to send me a check, I will more than happy extol the virtues of, of their Hyundai. They have um, a Hyundai they, Funday. <laughs> if you win the ice cream, be a Hyundai Sunday. Anyway, um, you know, he's kind of putting his hooks in each one of, of them, you know, trying to, you know, make sure that he's, he has something, you know, some sort of contact with each one and keep him on them on his side, you know, as it were, you know, against Rick. Right. And when you think about it that way, he also could be the father of Lori's baby. He has a relationship with Carl. You know, he does have a little bit of stake in everybody. He's got Dale scared. You know, scared enough to, for Dale to keep his mouth shut until he tells Laurie about his suspicions about Dale, uh, Shane and Otis. Yeah, that's and that's the that's what happens next in our in our synopsis here. That was an interesting uh, conversation when she's he is sharing that with with Laurie. He says um, he all but threw it in my face. Are they talking about is is Dale talking about that scene when he was trying to hide the guns? and yeah. Shane finds him in the woods. I believe so. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And um, obviously, Lori is concerned. She's actually, you know, possibly considering the fact that maybe Dale's on to something here. And, and I got to say, we've talked about how it's been a little maybe unbelievable that that Dale knows everything. Like, I'm OK with him saying that he thinks he killed Otis because he did. Shane did basically throw it in his face. But he went a little too far when he said, I think he shot him and he sacrificed him. Like, how would he get any of that? Right. I mean, that seemed too much. Well, it, just, it seems the most likely reason for him to kill him. I mean, I don't think Shane would have killed Otis, you know, just out of spite or whatever, you know, whatever else. I mean, the most likely scenario is that, you know, Otis being a big, slow guy and Shane being quick and ruthless, 
that, that you know, that, I mean, it just seems like the obvious scenario to me. I mean, plus, I mean, this has been building between Dale and Shane for a long time, ever since they were in the woods together, and he saw Shane, you know, train his sights on Rick. You know, Shane, you know, Dale's been suspicious and watching Shane for a long time. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I can live with it. I, I think I would have been more comfortable with, like, him just saying, you know, Otis probably couldn't make it, and Shane left him for dead. You know, something like that. Right? He just seems it's, to have it too down perfectly. Yeah, he was, he was, his guess was too specific. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's too, what I mean. It was too correct in its specificity. That's not a word. Such big it, words. No, it, it is, is a word. Now. Yeah, thank you. I knew it was a word. Well, you I are mean, Jordan I have tonight. An degree you're allowed. <laughs> when you're playing the role of Jordan, you're allowed to make up words. Did you guys, I'm sure you did, you caught the, um, the ad in the middle here for the Talking Dead uh, talk show that came on later. Uh, John Heater was, he played Napoleon Dynamite. He was a guest on that, and he said, to be fair... Shane didn't murder him. He just shot him in the leg. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That's funny. Never thought about that. We always thought, Te- oh. Techni- technicality. Yeah, yeah we always thought, oh, Shane Shane killed Otis. Well, no, he didn't. But he was still a bastard and, and shot him and left him for dead. Yeah, I think when you shoot a guy in the leg and he's 10 feet from 100 zombies, yeah. it's pre- pretty sure it's still considered murder. Yeah. Dale basically says, uh, you know, he's going to kill somebody else soon. It's only a matter of time. Then we get this uh, the scene where Glenn and Rick are driving into town, and this is when we find out, Jim, that Glenn uh, Glenn tells Rick she told me she loved me. Now wait a minute. I yeah, we got to back up. John. I know exactly yeah. what you're gonna say, Jim. Right. Go ahead and I don't say it. Still your thunder, John, but it bothered the hell out of me too. Glenn's riding in the truck with the shotgun pointed right at his own head. Okay, uh, I didn't notice that. I mean, he's kind of like between his knees, uh, you know, pointed at his own head. And I, John, I think you tweeted something about it. I'm like, oh man, that's driving me crazy. The, yeah, the, I, the the quote tweet was, "Jesus, Glenn, point the shotgun somewhere else." I mean, the, <laughs> the truck is bouncing up and down, and it's probably perspective. Like the barrel might have been like pointed, you know, past his ear to the side. But the perspective that they're giving you, it looks like it's like three inches from his sh- from his forehead. Like if they hit a bump, it would be the like right. It would totally be Pulp Fiction. Thing. It would be freaking <laughs> Marvin in the back seat getting his head blown off. You I totally did not detail. notice that. We're gonna use it. I'm gonna find it uh, and use it for the uh, article image or something. You got to see it. <laughs> I totally. I'll have to watch that again because I didn't. I didn't notice that he was not being. He was not practicing gun safety. <laughs> So he tells he tells Rick, you know, she told me she loved me, but I couldn't say it back. Rick says we need more good things like that in in these days. So you should just you know go with it. And then we cut back to the farm. Lori is deciding someone needs to go find Rick and Herschel because uh, Beth is still not getting any better. So she goes to Daryl and says, "Hey, I want you to go into town and and try to try to find." Uh, Rick for me, and, and he says I'm done looking for people. Yeah, you know, he's he's angry that he spent so much time looking for Sophia. Is this where you had a problem with him, John? Yeah, I've I do. Been... And and first of all, I have, I don't get again plot device, right? Why is Laurie sending Daryl out for them? They just left, you know, like they're going fast. They know <laughs> they know the girl's sick. What is Daryl bringing to this equation? <laughs> anyway, hey guys, hey guys, hurry up. Yeah, hurry, hurry faster. Anyway, 
Uh, I didn't like this Daryl at all, and and this is this is kind of what I mean. Like let's let's backtrack and look at the progression, if you want to call it that, of of Daryl Dixon. First, he's he's redneck jerk that only cares about finding his brother, right? Right. Then he is uh, Zen, peaceful redneck who suddenly cares nothing about his brother and only wants to find Sophia. And then, right. And and friend to Carol and picking flowers in the woods and okay, then he's total badass redneck shot himself through the side with an arrow, killing zombies and having hallucinations of his brother, and somewhere in between there, he whined about having nothing better to do. There was another episode where Rick wanted him to do something, and he was like, I got nothing better to do, and nobody wants to find my brother, or something like that. And now he's back to that again with, I'm unappreciated, don't talk I to me about- I got shot with an arrow, I got shot with a bullet. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't get it. I don't, if they picked one Daryl, he'd be really cool. If he was still like redneck annoying Daryl, he'd probably be cooler than back and forth Daryl. Or yeah, if, he had, if he had stayed, you know, an a-hole- he would be a more interesting character than than this person that's changing back and forth. I, I totally agree. And, like, I didn't love when he got all sensitive with Carol and finding Sophia, but if they stayed with it, we could have said, all right, this guy found the way, and he really joined this group, and this is his first family, like we right, talked exactly. about. And then if Merle came back, that would have been interesting. Because now Daryl has changed and he's not his little brother. And that and that's what I thought they were getting at in the hallucination thing with Merle. But now they're going back to this. I, you know, I, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And I know we have like millions of Reedus fans and they're awesome and they tweet and they're happy and they love him. It's not his fault. The guy's doing, you know, the guy's putting in the right work. He's not doing a bad job of acting. I just don't get the way he's being written right now. Exactly. Well, it's really underwritten too, and I think the same thing with T Dog. Like T Dog had like one line this show, I think. Or like yeah, two they lines. really need to. They really need to step T Dog up in this show, you know, because he's he's a great actor and he's a cool character. Yeah, and they're not going to get you know if they're planning on like killing him off at some point, they're not going to get any mileage out of it because nobody cares right now. Right. You have exactly. to be invested in these people to to give a crap. So after Daryl blows off Lori, she says, okay, I'm going to go look for him myself. Gets a map, hops in the car, and typical woman driver, not paying attention, <laughs> not doing what she's supposed to be doing. Send hate mail to Brad. I was going to say, send it to Brad Marlowe. Brad at halfhourwasted.com. Go for it. Um, no, of course, there are thousands of women drivers who are excellent drivers, but never on Sunday. Always on, no, was it never on Monday? Whatever. <laughs> Anyways, she hits a she hits a walker, and you know what? Really quick, it was a really quick glant gl- uh, glimpse. That's the word I'm looking for of this walker. I thought it was Glenn. Did anybody else see it <laughs> just real quick and think, "Holy crap, she just hit Glenn"? I didn't think it was Glenn, but I thought it could have been a, a regular person at first until they got closer to the to the zombie. Definitely, I know what you mean, but I didn't think it was yeah. Glenn. All I gotta say about this is, people wonder why I hate Lori. <laughs> This is the kind of crap that makes me hate Lori. <laughs> There's one working car in the United States at this point. I'm going to rush out by myself <laughs> without telling anyone I'm leaving 
to go find my husband who just left a half hour ago. And who I just, <laughs> she just tried to send Daryl after him and now she's going. I, I, you know, what, whatever. But, uh, I didn't mind. A lot of the Twitter and Facebook stuff was that they hated that she hit a zombie and wrecked the car and that it made no sense and whatever. I'm okay with it. Is that a Hyundai? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was. I'm totally okay with it. I don't know, like, I definitely don't know why they sent her, but I get that if this is going to be another plot that now for a show and a half, we got to see her find her way out of this. You know, that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with it. Well, I was glad this happened because this is the first friggin' action we've had in this whole episode. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it was think, slow. If you think about it, this, this episode, uh, and I'll save the, I'll try to save this for later when we talk about our ratings, but this is the first bit of action other than Andrea dispatching the one zombie. This is the first bit of action and it, I did totally didn't expect it. And you know, that's what I want in this show is to not expect whatever just happened. See, my wife and I were watching that. We totally expected it. Did like you? As soon as she got into the car by herself, I, what was it she was looking at on the, on the seat? The map. The map. Start, the map. Whatever yeah. it was, she kept looking and my wife was like, oh, she's going to hit a zombie. I'm like, uh, oh man, she's totally going to hit a zombie. And then she does. So oops. it was kind of, but I'm just like, oh, Lori. Did you guys, um, I know Brad bought it, but he never mentioned it. And I don't think Jim ever played it. Brad, did you ever end up playing Dead Island? No, I've been playing Arkham Asylum. Oh, okay. Because Dead Island, you get to drive around all over the island and, and just Sweet. crank zombies. And it totally made me think of that. No, I wanted to completely exhaust my enthusiasm for Arkham Asylum. Or, I'm sorry, Arkham City before I put Dead Island in. Um, so Lori totals the car. And then we're back to the bar where Rick and Glenn find Herschel. They tell him about Beth. And uh, this is the scene that John was referring to earlier when Herschel realizes what a dope he's been. And, uh, you know, he's been trying to give his daughters uh, a normal life and he's basically robbed them of it. Uh, Herschel says that, you know, you've got to know what, what I'm talking about because I saw your face when Sophia came out of that barn. You know, there's no hope. I know it now and you know it now. This is a completely different Herschel than what we've got. Yeah, but this change makes sense to me oh, because and time. he and he explained it. You know, he just yeah. watched his family take slugs to the chest and keep coming at him. Yeah, that was. He that totally was thought there was going to be a cure. That was oh. like his whole premise that they were they were going to be able to cure his wife and to cure his uh cure his, you know everyone in the barn. But uh, you know, he realizes now that they were already dead all along. I was really glad to hear Herschel say when Shane shot whatever his name was, that's when I realized that there was no hope. That's when he realized what a dummy he'd been. Yeah, feeding time. him chickens. Yeah, yeah. Rick says nothing's really changed. We still got people back at the farm counting on us. We got to be strong. Come on, let's let's head back. Then this is when the episode finally gets good. Am I right or am I right? You are right. Two guys come in and they're like, "Hey, what's up?" And they're like. Nothing. You guys hanging out? Yeah, we're just having a drink. You guys from around here? And it's interestingly enough, it's Herschel, I think, that pipes up first and he goes, No, we're just, you know, relaxing. Yeah, because Rick, Rick kind of doesn't say anything and Herschel, like, kind of sets the tone and Rick seems yeah. to follow his lead, you know, after, you know, to kind of keep these guys away. And then they both kind of realize that these guys are kind of inky, especially at that one point where the guy, like, relieves himself. 
like oh, right yeah. there in the bar. Yeah, the, the guys that are was Tony. Like the dead giveaway. Yeah, you know, it's like oh man. <laughs> the guys are Tony and Dave. Um, Tony, I think, is the big fat guy, and Dave is played. I'm not gonna have these names, and I'm not gonna try because Jordan isn't here. But Tony's da- the fat guy, right? So Michael and, Raymond James was Dave, and, and Dave Aaron Munoz is Tony, and and well, not the fat guy. The other guy is from True Blood. Uh, he plays Renee in True Blood, who was a really cool like Cajun serial killer character that had everybody fooled for like a season and a half or whatever. Um, so he's really good. So he brought a little bit. I've seen that guy before. And it's not been on True Blood. It's been somewhere else. But didn't were did they say they were from Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Philadelphia? Yeah. yeah. And um, and their know, accents obvious. were perfect. And like they oh, yeah. totally didn't fit. They totally don't fit in The Walking Dead. You know what I mean? Because like everybody's from Georgia or right. the South, and these two guys were like sticking out like sore thumbs, which was perfect. Yeah, they were the I, only ones who had any kind of uh, idea of what was going on, like in a hundred mile radius from beyond where they started too. If you think yeah, about exactly. it, because they only had been in Atlanta and, and the Enverons out to this uh, farm, but they're telling me, oh, we're going to Fort Benning. Oh, well, let me tell you, pal, I heard from, you know, blah, 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 that they'd been run over and they couldn't even, they said they couldn't even get to DC because of the traffic. And they, I mean, this is like the first, you know, news of the outside world beyond like what we've seen in the group uh, that we get in, in this uh, storyline. Yeah. That, it, it really, this scene really, to me, really opened up the scope of this situation you know these are people from the other you know the top half of the country they made it down here to the bottom half of the country this is happening everywhere this is just not here in georgia or whatever it's everywhere these guys from philadelphia they come in and you know i loved it i absolutely loved loved it and you could tell something was wrong with these guys especially when was it tony the big guy Yeah. yeah when tony Starts relieving himself. Rick turn. Rick hears it. You can see that look like, what the hell am I hearing? He turns and he, and he sees Tony just relieving himself on the floor and the look on Rick's face is priceless. Yeah. And they're like, they're having this conversation and they're like saying, you know, they're basically they're keeping it civil and trying to discuss the differences or whatever. But like Rick keeps grabbing for his gun. The fat guy keeps grabbing for his gun. Yeah. It was another, another alarm bell that goes off for rick and herschel is when the guys come in and they say they you know they they do somehow that they're on a farm and and tony i think it was tony he said something like you got any any women i haven't had a piece in a long time or something yeah you you could see the alarm bells go on like we have to keep these guys away from the farm and and it was funny because when they first walked in i don't know if he said it loud enough so that rick and herschel and glenn could hear but uh, I believe it's it's uh, Dave who says to Tony, I can't believe they're still alive. And it, yeah. it made it seem to me like they'd been watching them. So they really knew that they were on a farm the whole time and everything. Huh. But the, but I didn't know if he if he said that where they could hear him. You know, I thought he was just ma- making the statement that these guys in this bar weren't zombies. Yeah, it, that's what that's what I got. Okay, I mean, it's possible. It just I came think- off to me like he saw them do something and he couldn't believe they made it like whether it be all the shooting outside the barn or you know i don't know it made it to me i thought he meant that he he couldn't believe that they were alive like they made it but it could totally be that he couldn't believe they weren't zombies <laughs> i think i think it's 
more what Jim was thinking. I can see your point, but I, I felt the same way that Jim did. Cause I, I think what the guy literally says was son of a bitch. They're alive. Like these are real people. These aren't zombies. Right. I got you. Yeah. And so they talk about Rick says, you know, going to the farm's not an option. It's crowded. Uh, and that somebody previously in this conversation, somebody had brought up Nebraska about it being nice or something like that. And then so when it's one of the rumors he says he heard that, uh, you know, Nebraska was uh, one of the only places to go because there was a, a lot of land and a lot of open spaces and, you know, very few walkers. Yeah. So at this point, Tony has leaned up against the wall behind Rick back where he was taking a leak. Dave has maneuvered himself opposite of Tony on the other side of Rick, climbed over the bar. You can see that the gun tucked in, in, uh, Dave's waistband as he climbs over the bar. He turns around, sets the gun down on the bar, being real open and honest, you know. He says, just look at you guys and some drinks. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I get the feeling that, that Tony and Dave have, they're like predators. They've, they've been in this situation before. They know how to put the situation to their advantage. You know, they, they separated themselves and got Rick in between the two of them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and they know he's a cop because he said, I'm a cop, you know, and so they know they know Rick is obviously trained. Right. And that and, was another alarm because I think Dave said he got his gun off a cop. Yeah. And he goes, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's when that's when uh, Rick says, I'm a cop. Right. And he was like, well, he was dead already. <laughs> the yeah. one that he got the gun from. And so Rick says, you can't go to the farm. It's out of the question. And and. Dave says, what do you suggest we do? And this is when Rick says, I hear Nebraska's nice. And this gets Dave's goat. And he starts giggling and laughing. He's like, Nebraska, this guy. And that line right there, when he says this guy, that tickled me to death. Because I, it just, you could tell Dave was pissed off at this point. Yeah, it reminded me of Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. Yeah, exactly. This, this guy, guy he just yeah, he just seems like he's really tightly wound, kind of like... Uh, you know, Kevin Spacey or, or like, you know, other people have played like, like psychopaths I've seen, you know, just the whole time he's talking to them, like everything he says almost has like a double meaning. Like he keeps fishing for information about the farm, you know, in roundabout ways and, uh, you know, excusing, you know, Tony's uh, behavior. And then finally, when uh, Rick deals out his uh, retribution, it's a pretty uh, incredible scene. Yeah. And, and I, it almost made me like stand up and cheer. I was just like, yes, finally, the Rick Grimes I know and love has made it on the scene of The Walking Dead. Yep, exactly. Dave says, this guy, he looks down at the bar and reaches for his gun. Of course, Rick is quick on the draw, pops Dave in the head, turns 180 degrees, puts two in Tony's chest. Tony falls. Rick walks over to him and puts a third bullet right in his head. And like Jim said, and like John tweeted, welcome to the show, Rick Grimes. This is the moment I've been waiting for since this show started. The look on his face, too. Andrew Lincoln's face, after he, uh, they have a close-up on him, after he plugs Tony, he just has, like, that kind of, I don't know, almost uh, like a relieved look. Like, oh, thank God they didn't kill me, you know, but also a very intense look. It's really, like, some subtle acting going on there. It's a really good uh, good moment for him. And it, you know what? It was, it was kind of worth it. I mean, we've been complaining about Rick all this time, and it really led to a good payoff. You know, it makes sense now. He's not going to let this crap happen anymore. He was too soft, and all this stuff has gone wrong, and all these people have died, and that's it. You know, it's it's no holds barred now. He's he's going to do what he has to do. 
Yeah. This and, and Rick has been this way in the comic uh for several years now at this point. Rick is a no nonsense, take care of his own type of guy. And Rick and the TV show, I think, just crossed that threshold. I was so, so happy. And the looks on Shane, I'm sorry, the looks on Herschel and Glenn's faces was, they totally got it. They realized what kind of situation they were in. They understand, you know, and you, you halfway expect Herschel to have this look of horror on his face. Well, no, he's a different guy now, too. He gets it. And Glenn. Well, Herschel during the whole conversation got it. These, these guys were predators and oh, yeah. we couldn't, you know, I mean, Herschel was along for that ride, you know, keeping them, you know, uh, keeping them on a short leash information wise so they wouldn't find out where the farm was. Yep. Now, let me ask I, you this mo- moving forward. I think I know the answer, but it's fun to talk about anyway. Do you think, where do you think this leads Rick in terms of now going back to Shane on the farm? Does this make Rick go, you know what, Shane, you were right, and this is the way we need to handle things. You know, you were right all along type of thing. Or do you think he walks in and it's confrontation right away, like, I'm the leader, I know what's best for these people, you know, and it's alpha on alpha right off the bat? Well, I would say it's it's going to be a little of both. Um, he definitely has a strong opinion about what is the right thing to do. <clears throat> and he'll, he'll, he, may, he may go to Shane and say, you know what, Shane? You're right. I get it. We have to handle the situation differently. And in, in his mind, he's thinking, as long as Shane does what I think is the right thing to do, we're not going to have a problem. I kind of think things are going to come to a head when they realize Lori's missing. They're going to come yeah. back with Herschel and Glenn and then realize that Lori's been missing. And then, I mean, Shane and Rick are both going to be frantic about that. Yeah, that might and freak Shane are going out. To come to a head there. That definitely could freak Shane out. So this last scene saved the episode for me. Uh, you guys want to rate it? Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, I'm going to take a cue from our good friend, Joe Jans soda on Twitter. Um, this episode was a two buster episode until the last scene when Rick found his balls. I think that's how Joe put it. Um, and for me, it, it bumped this episode up to two and a half busters. I was under the impression that this was supposed to be intense from this episode on. AMC has been saying, Robert Kirkman has been saying, the actors have been saying the second half of the season is intense. Well, the first 50 minutes of this hour were snooze fest. Then we get the intense scene in the bar with these two strangers. I, it, the show better feel like this the rest of the season. I am losing faith in the show, guys. I'm scared. I want to like the show. Well, I'm I'm generally with you. I, I don't think I'm as extreme in terms of I was probably two and a half until the end and it bumped it up to a three. Like I still think it's good TV. I do agree that this was not the return that we were looking for. I mean, you know, we we're kind of conditioned with television, right? Like the premiere, the return, and the finale, they all gotta be killer shows. Yeah. Um and this really was not a killer show. And even though the ending was great, I mean, he didn't even kill anybody like that we know. You know what I mean? Like, no major cal- character has bit has bitten it yet. You, you know what I mean? Like, no, exactly. It's still not. It still wasn't what I expected. And and you know, we we overhype it. We were really excited, and the show was gone for a long time. And that's why they should deliver as such. Um, so I went from two and a half to three busters with the ending. Not bad. Better than a lot of stuff I'd, you know, I could be watching on TV. 
not where I want it to be, but passable. I think this is going to open up some good storylines uh, coming up with uh, you know, the situation with them in the bar. I agree wholeheartedly. I gave it, uh, I would give it two. If the last five or ten minutes of that uh, episode hadn't been there, I would definitely have only given it a two. Uh, because of that last bit where, you know, the real Rick Grimes did stand up, did stand up, did stand up. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll give it an extra one for that. And then I, I, I need to give it one more point because they used clutch at the end of the show. I love clutch. They're a really awesome. Band. Yeah. A lot of people, um, I tweeted it right away. Thanks to Soundhound on my phone. I was able to, I kind of, it sounded familiar, but I couldn't put my finger on it. If anybody's into the song that they, ended the episode with it's called the regulator it's by clutch and uh i'll probably be ending this episode with it so you can get another listen to it and that was pretty cool i mean you're not gonna end it with please stand up please stand up <laughs> it's a tough decision now but I, i'm probably gonna still go with clutch but well done jim thanks pal anyway uh running it through my weird new math that i learned in the 70s i get that makes it three and a half busters i am excited to see rick actually being rick uh and I, again, I just, I, I, I'm with you guys. The first part of it, which is very, just a lot of exposition, a lot of talking, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of soap opera drama type stuff, you know, and a lot of characters, like you said before, John, acting a little out of character. I, I, I'm with you. I'm kind of puzzled where, what they're going to do with Daryl now because, you know, it was, uh, the way he reacted in this episode to stuff. Um, so three and a half busters for me this episode, mainly because we got to see the real Rick Grimes. Yeah, so we have some Twitter uh, Buster ratings and some people on our Facebook group. Again, you know, we're at WDTV Podcast on Twitter, and we have a Facebook group as well. Uh, like Brad said, Joe Jan said the first 15 minutes was two Busters, and after Rick fires his gun, add eight more Busters and an attaboy. Mm-hmm. Um, three and a half from Luthin. Uh, Brad ZB is with him, says three and a half. Uh, let's see if any of these have some interesting comments to go along with them. That will help. Real um, quickly from the Twitterverse during the show, um, Fisty LaRue has been a big fan of the show and a big supporter. Um, I thought the same thing I did when those guys walked into the bar that they were from the governor. So, yeah, I think we're going to have to wait a bit for the governor and, uh, I don't know. I'll leave it at that. Uh, Tammy gave it four busters. Chris gave it five minus one for Lori's driving for a uh, total of four busters on the Facebook group. You know, pretty positive. Uh, four and a half from Michelle. Everard gave it four. Uh, Victor gave it four and a half. Four from Erica. From Erica. Four from Newt. Three and a half from Mark. Uh, four from Belinda. So pretty much, you know, a lot of fours and, and well, there's two and a half. Oh, wait, that's Brad. Uh, three for Mick, three and a half for Mary. So mostly, you know, you're three and a half to four range. Um, fan gave it a four because Daryl called Lori olive oil, which was pretty funny. That was a good line, but they're definitely making him the Sawyer of the Walking Dead world, which anybody who doesn't watch, <laughs> anybody who didn't watch Lost, there was a swashbuckling dude in Lost who very rarely wore a shirt and, uh, he always had a nickname for Anybody that was giving him a hard time on the episode. So, and they've done that a few times with Daryl now. But, so mostly, you know, mostly positive again. I mean, you know, I'm hoping there's more that they're, they're going to do. Um, it just didn't seem like a return from such a long hiatus, you know? 
I felt like we really needed like a new premiere episode here that we didn't really get. But okay, Sarah, Sarah, Brad, how about an email? Do we have one? Yes, our buddy Aaron Newworth from the Out Now with Aaron and Abe podcast. Uh, he says, let's talk about Nebraska, or as I'm calling it, Herschel flips out, Shane and T-Dog flip bodies, and Lori flips cars. Very clever. Yes, and, Aaron is clever. And accurate. Uh, he's just got s- some quick bullet points. What was Lori thinking? This is just maddening. Who knows, man? It's a woman driver. Yeah, we're <laughs> thinking the same thing, man. I mean, we, you know, why would she leave a half hour after Rick and, you know, be all concerned about him? But, yeah, great minds think alike. He says, John Bernthal continues to be great as Shane. Hostility uh, and reflection. Hostility, reflection. Hostility, reflection towards a silent Dale. Very well played. Yeah, I love that scene. Like Jim said, Dale just didn't say anything. Just stared at him. And as Jim, uh, as as John mentioned, Daryl called Lori olive oil. He says, hilarious. That was funny. Andrea gets zombie kill of the week, followed by zombie cleanup of the week. Hey, we dropped an arm. Hang on a second. Yeah. Uh, the the ending, obviously awesome. Quick draw Rick does his thing and puts an end to a sticky situation. He gives it uh, three and a half busters, up from a three with that solid ending. Not a hugely eventful episode, but a necessary follow-up after what previously occurred. Eh, I don't know that it would be necessary. I don't think I would call that necessary. I don't think it was necessary to have so much exposition. Why not just let the stuff hit the fan right away? I mean... Don't put me to sleep and then wake me up five minutes before the show ends. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we've we've certainly said our, uh, you know, our piece. It, it wasn't bad. Hopefully, it gets a bit better. Um, if anybody wants to check out Aaron's full thoughts on the show, he wrote a review up. It's already posted on hhwlod.com. You can get there from walkingdeadtv.com as well. And uh, Aaron writes a lot of good blogs for us. And uh, hopefully, he's going to be reviewing. Walking Dead regularly, which would be awesome. And I just want to mention that Aaron's icon, I guess, or avatar on uh, on Skype is Batman swinging a lightsaber, attacking a giant shark. I've seen that painting. It's awesome. So that's it's like pretty awesome. Layers of awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And I would see that movie or play that video game. So. Before we get to all the fun wrapping up of the show, uh, we do want to mention that next week is called Trigger Finger. And the synopsis says, Trapped in the town saloon, Rick, Herschel, and Glenn fight against Dave and Tony's group and the undead. Shane- yeah, they kind of showed uh, clips of that during uh, uh, the show after The Walking Dead, the comic book men show. It also says Shane finds Lori in danger on the road and makes it his mission to bring her back to the farm. So, you know, I guess they're kind of telling us that Tony and Dave have a group of people around, so they were definitely up to something trying to lure them to, you know, open up the farm or show them where the farm was or or whatever. And uh, we're also going to have this side story of Shane trying to help Lori. So this... You know, it's potentially very interesting. So hopefully we get a little more action and we're satisfied a little bit more by next yeah, week's show. We can only dream. Brad is down, but hopefully his spirits will rise again. Like It's all good. Yeah. They can't all be winners. Correct. Uh, Jim, you have something you want to talk about quickly before we send this home? Two quick plugs, if I may. Uh, first of all, this week I am appearing on Nothing's On, the podcast with uh, Daryl Taylor and Donnie Salvo. 
on the Daryl Taylor uh, Podcast Network. Um, we're going to be talking about the show The River that just premiered from the Paranormal Activity guys. And we do talk a little bit about the Tony Moore and Robert Kirkman thing with The Walking Dead. So check us out. Nothing's on podcast on the Daryl Taylor uh, Podcast Network. The other thing I want to talk about really quick is our one of our many and various and sundry podcasts, The Legion of Dudes, is hosting the third annual trivia contest at the Pittsburgh Comic Con. April 20th, 21st, and 22nd at the Monroeville Convention Center. Lots of really great guests this year. Uh, Stan Lee is going to be there. Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca. Uh, George Perez, J. Scott Campbell, uh, Mike Grell, Rudy Nebrez. A lot of really great guests if you're into comics or if you're just into cool things and you're in the Pittsburgh area. Check us out. Come see us. We'll have a table there all weekend. And you can come uh, join in the comic book trivia contest on Saturday afternoon at noon in the big uh, ballroom and win uh, really cool prizes for your useless comic trivia knowledge that's stuck in your head. So Pittsburgh Comic Con, April 20th, 21st, and 22nd. Come say hi. I'll be there all weekend long. Awesome. And uh, once again, we want to thank everybody that hung around and, and listened to all our stuff for the hiatus. And uh, welcome back to everybody that took a little break. And, uh, again, we want to invite everybody to check out the HHWLOD Podcast Network at HHWLOD.com. We've got a lot of great podcasts there on comic books and TV and movies and technology and lots of great stuff. Uh, just go to HHWLOD.com. Check it all out. You can reach us by voicemail. We'd love to start playing the voicemails again. That's 516 7912, tell us what you thought of Nebraska, what you think of our show, and we'll be happy to play it. Again, the Facebook group, the Twitter, at WDTV Podcast. And what else am I forgetting? Email us, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. We'd be happy to read those too. And we love new iTunes reviews. They help us get noticed. They help us get in the new and notable sections of iTunes and, and help people find our show, which is great. So... Boys, I guess that's it for this week, and uh, we'll see you next time. Remember, when there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the shopping malls. <laughs> yes, Jordan is in charge of this snappy ending. Brad, would you like to give it a shot? No, 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 I'm good. Okay, come back when soon, Jordan. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will all go see Justin Bieber. Please come back soon, Jordan. <laughs> see ya. Bye. It's not as it looks. What, you thought there'd be bloopers or something?